You're listening to the Her Leadership Coach Podcast for the quietly determined career woman who's looking to step up into her first or next level leadership role. If you're looking to make a bigger, more positive difference in your organization, you've come to the right place. Well, hello, welcome in. It's Rochelle. On today's episode of Her Leadership Coach, we're going to cover a topic that I can get a little fired up about. We are talking about what I call structural bias. And I warn you in advance, I am not averse to a rant or two about this topic should there be an opportunity. Uh, But I promise I'll try and keep the ranting to a minimum today. Now, I want to start this episode with a bit of a question that uh, might be a little bit weird, but I want you to pretend that you have a magic wand. And the wand is able to wipe away the last hundred so years of work. uh, And we're able to completely rewrite it. And instead of men being in charge from the beginning, it was women. Women created our factories, built our offices, made the decisions about our work week, our approach, our entire work structures. Got it? So what do you think that would look like? It's a question I like to entertain every once in a while, and I really invite you to pause the episode now if you want and take some time to think through that a little bit before I color your thinking. All right, so if you've had time to think, welcome back. And when I think of this magic world, I think of a world where work is built around family rather than the other way around. I think of maternity and paternity leave being normal right from the start. There wouldn't have been a fight for it. It just would have been there. I think of long-term sustainable vision and making a difference over a quick profit. I think of offices that have collaboration spaces and quiet spaces and working on the wall spaces and, oh my God, I think of temperatures that are not freezing. (laughs) So what changes did you think of? I'd love to hear from you about this because it really is one of those topics that I am fascinated about uh, and I'm not sure we're going to get to an answer anytime soon. Do I think everything would be wonderful if women had got there first? No, of course not. What we really need is a world of work that has been co-designed to suit all circumstances, to suit all people's. And I think a lot of what I just mentioned really does suit all circumstances, at least in today's modern world. Okay, so now that we've seen this magical world, let's step back to a bit of reality. So what is structural bias? It's a term that refers to the traditional organizational structures and practices that, intentionally or not, favor one group over another or one group over several others. They're often so ingrained in our work environments that we just do not notice them. If you take the nine to five work day, 
it's a structure developed historically for a world, a society where men worked and women stayed home to handle domestic responsibilities. And so men could be in the office eight days, eight hours a week, eight hours a day, five or even six days a week, um, taking work home with them because they knew that their wife was at home cooking them dinner, cleaning the house, getting the children bathed and books read and into bed. And all they needed to do was step back and wait for dinner to be served. Now today, where those same women are actually equally participating in the workforce, the system doesn't serve everyone's needs. And yet, I don't think it really serves anyone's needs anymore. But it goes beyond just that nine to five piece. Structural bias also manifests as inflexible work hours. So again, thinking about our magic wand, how about a system where we can do an hour at, say, I don't know, six in the morning, maybe for you it's eight in the morning, and then you can take care of some chores, whether it's taking the kids to school or maybe visiting elderly parents, or you get some exercise in, or you do some meditation, and then you get in a solid few hours in a row taking a break maybe to pick the kids up or go for another little walk, maybe meet up with some friends, do some sport before rounding the day out with one last hour to get things tidied up and ready to start off the next day. And while we're at it, let's do that four days a week and have a day to choose what we want to do with it. And yes, there are plenty of studies out there now that show how four-day work weeks are just as productive as five-day work weeks. So you can definitely get paid the same amount. I'm, I'm allowing it. Then let's also celebrate part-time or job-sharing opportunities and that inclusive parental leave policies that I mentioned in my wish list. There was a study by McKinsey & Co. that found that on average... Companies with more part-time managers have more women at executive levels. So there are some definite benefits here to doing this. And we also know that companies with more women at executive levels have better profits. So there is a bottom line answer here, although that is not why we should be doing this. Uh, And then let's not forget that always on culture, that kind of hustle culture that exists in corporate that expects constant availability. Uh, And look, I hear from clients all the time that think, I'm not sure I want to be a leader because I can't be on all the time. And I'm always pushing back on that saying, actually, you can be just as productive, if not more so, by putting your boundaries in place. However, (laughs) uh, we know that that is still rife across many industries and uh, it really is not contributing to anybody's work-life balance or mental health. And look, I know a lot of this has changed for some of us since the seismic shift that came with the pandemic. Only it's still not the norm to have flexibility for the majority of workers. If you think frontline staff, retail, um, you know, there's many roles out there where there just was no change at all over the pandemic and uh, flexibility is not there for them. And even then, the ones that did gain flexibility 
through the pandemic, there's now this strong backlash, this strong push in many sectors to revert back to pre-pandemic norms. And this is where I could go on a rant, and I will not today. Um, but even if there's not that push, and even if you are in an industry or a company that is still allowing flexible work or hybrid work or remote work, there's often still this perception that somehow because you're working from home, you're just not as committed, right? You're just not as uh, career focused than those that are working in the office from nine to five every day, all day, um, you know, all of the hours of the day often. Now, this insistence on returning to the office does not consider all of the varied responsibilities that women often juggle alongside their careers. Um, another study by McKinsey shows that women are more likely than men to be considering downshifting their careers or leaving the workforce altogether because of the pandemic's impact on their lives and the unwillingness or inability with the current structure uh, to allow for more flexibility. Um, so, you know, that added pressure of extra childcare, um, still the household responsibilities that still today disproportionately fall on women. Uh, and I've said in a previous podcast, this is whether they work more hours or less hours, whether they have, whether they earn more money or less money, it is still women doing the majority of our household chores. And so when companies insist on reverting to the, the rigid work structures that we had prior to the pandemic, it really exacerbates these pressures and uh, potentially, as McKinsey says, forces women out of career progression opportunities and out of careers altogether. Uh, and I think we also need to recognize for women of color that the impact of this is even more pronounced as they often face racist microaggressions at the office every day. And so this idea that we should all be back in the office to face more of these microaggressions just adds more, um, more pressure, more stress, more mental health issues for women of color who have had a taste of what it's like not to face that all day every day and aren't ready to go back to it. So this all brings us to why understanding structural bias is so vital. Because understanding it helps us recognize how it can psychologically impact women, especially women of color and especially those aiming for leadership roles. The inflexibility in work hours, the lack of part-time opportunities and that constant availability culture affects not only our career progression because we might take a step back uh, because we don't see a way for us to be able to do all of that, but it also affects our self-esteem. If you are always scrambling to balance work and home life and you never quite get either right, it really does lead to feeling inadequate in both places. You feel like you're not doing either place justice anymore. And then the impact on our mental health from that and from the stress, uh, the anxiety and even burnout are real consequences of this systemic inflexibility. Okay, so we've laid out the problem. 
So now what? How can organizations start to shift the the mindset, the policies to minimize this structural bias? And I think first off, we really do need to recognize that addressing this bias is not just a woman's issue. It is an organizational issue that affects productivity, employee satisfaction for all employees, and even the bottom line, as I mentioned before. Can't forget that bottom line. Um, So we can start to implement some better policies and structures that work for all. And a lot of these simply address what we've talked about already. So we can use flexible work arrangements. Start to give employees options that suit their individual circumstances, whether it's staggered hours, I start at 6am, I finish at 4pm and then allowing for compressed work weeks, which is what I do. I have every second Monday off um, in, in air quotes because I've made up the hours during the other days of the fortnight. Um, or job sharing opportunities. Let's introduce more of them at more senior levels. I know we have them often at lower junior levels, um, but they there is no reason we can't have job sharing at senior levels. Now, I often hear that, oh, but what about collaboration? What about teamwork? What about culture? What about water cooler conversations? We have to be in person for those things, right? Okay, so again, I could get on my soapbox here, but I will try and restrain myself. I do hear these excuses for not having genuine flexibility. And I genuinely think people just haven't worked out how to work differently yet. Now, at my work, I have implemented strategies and tactics to cover all of these things without needing to show up in person. You can do them either synchronously or asynchronously, but all of them are possible if you give some intention to them, right? You need to focus on how can we do these differently and you will find ways. There are so many ways and I'm not going to go into them today, but there are so many ways that you can achieve this without having to drag everybody back into an office. Comprehensive parental leave. Now, I've talked about that already. Um, The key word here is equitable. It should benefit both parents, regardless of gender, and it should be mandatory because once parental leave is mandatory, it takes away any stigma from those that use it. And particularly for men, men that take paternity leave are seen like women as not being as committed to their career. And that simply is not true. Another change that organizations can bring in is diverse spaces. And I'm not talking your traditional diversity and equity type spaces, although why not? But let's create spaces for different types of work. Let's forget this one size fits all open plan office stuff that we have going today. It barely suits anybody. Um, While we're at it, create the different temperature spaces as well. Let's cater for that difference between women's and men's body temperatures. Not to mention women with hot flushes. Yes, older women still work. (laughs) 
Um, oh, and look, let's introduce a, a hot wheat pack and some Panadol in the office for those heavy period days that, uh, again, so many of us experience and yet nobody's talking about them as, as, as if they just don't happen. And look, again, I want to reiterate, these changes don't just benefit women. They create a more inclusive, productive environment for everyone. Now, while most strategies for overcoming structural bias should indeed be systemic, let's not underestimate the power of individual action, because I genuinely believe it's individual action that will lead to systemic change. So if your organization currently lacks flexible work options, be the one to build a business case for it. Talk about it in your work social uh, platforms, whether that's Viva Engage, what was once known as Yammer or Slack or, um, you know, any other space where there is conversation going on. Bring it up in there. Talk about it. Use data Find the research that um, some of it I've talked about today to start advocating for change. Um, do that what's in it for me piece, right? What's in it for the organization to bring these changes in? Now, again, systemic change is what we are looking for here. And I don't want you to underestimate the ripple effect of one determined voice and getting it to happen. All right, there we have it. A dive into structural bias today. Uh, it is really an issue that I think is so deeply ingrained in how we work that we no longer see it. It's the, the same thing as the goldfish in a bowl being asked, how's the water? And the response is, what's water? It is such a part of our working life. We do not even see it for what it is. Uh, and yet... Someone at some stage invented it, and again, for men. And now's the time to start bringing in changes that are more beneficial for everybody. Now, a bit of a personal reflection prompt for you today. Think about your workplace. Consider it from all angles. Are there policies or norms that make you or your colleagues' lives more difficult just based on who you are? And then do some brainstorming. Consider what changes could make your work environment more inclusive and equitable, um, whether it's, you know, physical environment or uh, policies or procedures or, you know, anything that you can think of, write it all down and then become that little ripple, become the determined voice that starts to make a change. Thanks for joining me this week. If you want to continue the conversation about structural bias or being a leader from the inside out, because that's where we focus, come and join us on in the Women in Leadership Facebook group. You will find the link for that in the show notes. Uh, I also do want to let you know that some of this podcast was created with artificial intelligence. Uh, it helps me with editing the audio, drafting my show notes, the occasional help with writer's block. Um, which all saves me time and is super helpful to me as a very busy career and businesswoman uh, and mother and sister and blah, blah, blah. Look, and as a leader, this is an area I really encourage you to be experimenting with. Start looking at artificial intelligence 
as it is set to revolutionize the way we work in the not too distant future. If you found this episode valuable, please share it with others who could benefit as well. And don't forget to leave a review and subscribe for more insights and actionable strategies. And until next week, continue to lead the way her way.